0: So, Anya, if you happened upon a magical imp, what would you ask it? What would you wish for? Oh, that's a dangerous game.
1: (laughs) Holy shit. Um, um, it's like, mm, part of me is like, I can't say it on this podcast. I know what you want to say. But another part of me is like, yes, you can. You don't have any fucking boundaries. (laughs) Um, let's, no. (laughs) Um... Uh, I think there's a lot I would wish for. I would wish to be free of the curse of being attracted to men. Honestly. That's not because a bad it's wish. it's ruining me. It's ruining me. Oh, God, that was funny. The
0: girls who cried be horror
1: hi folks welcome to the girls who cried be I am
0: Anya and I'm Alex and this is our very last episode of our first
1: season yeah it's it. so exciting um I'm sure I'll get sappy in my feelings at the end of this episode but we'll wait on that um, but yeah this is our April episode which marks the last full-length main episode for our first inaugural season. We're not really taking a break because come May, we're just going to release another episode. What do I have to to do? (laughs) Right. Um, We do have um, a season one uh, end of special coming for you guys. It's really fun. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's something extra sprinkled in there for some more flavor. Um, But yeah, other than that, welcome to... Episode number 12, wow. which is uh, Sorority Babes in the Slime Ball Bolorama. <laughs> it is, uh, I feel so, you know,
0: I feel like this is such a well-rounded moment for us, full circle, because mm. I know that Anya brought it up in our Nightmare on Elm Street mini or Tangential Terror, that our original first episode instead of sleepaway camp was supposed to be sorority babes in the slime ball Bolarama because it is just like your quintessential 80s campy ass b-horror and it's actually the movie that inspired us to do the podcast in the first place because i anya had watched it recommended it to me and then i was relaying information about it to greg because i was just like baffled by it and that was when he had the idea that like you guys should just make a podcast and talk about this so we have sorority babes to thank in a lot of ways but also the first episode that we recorded was not cute so
1: i'm really excited for us to do it better hopefully yeah i mean you've got sorority babes to thank babes if if you're a fan Mm -hmm. if you hate this podcast um you can blame greg yeah it was his idea (laughs) don't come for us we were forced into it obviously um yeah, I mean, that first episode, it literally was like, um, we were both really excited to do a podcast, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, pandemic, but even beyond the pandemic, you know, it was just like a creative outlet, talking about something, you love. it was very much like a passion project, which I haven't personally had in a long time, um, so we like, we're so excited, and then we like planned out, and like, if you guys remember from our earlier episodes, um we used to do like full length like recaps of the movie like play by plays which we kind of did away with thank god um yeah
0: i thought it would be fun because there were like so many little bits like in sleepaway camp like we had to talk about uh ricky's like big ass cowboy hat and i didn't ever want to miss those moments but yeah our new format makes a lot more sense
1: not to shit on us past (laughs) us i mean i think those episodes definitely have their merit and they're fun but just you know in i don't I don't know what it's like to listen to us, not as us, so um, I can't imagine what that's like to sit for three hours as we recap a movie that you possibly already watched, Um, but I digress. Um, Yes, we recorded it, and we were like, okay, yeah, you know, first episode, we were, you know, getting our footing, you know, a little off, a little nervous, but it's fine, but then because the way that we are, it was just like, well, we're going to be putting this out, and we have to be putting our best foot forward, and like, we were both thinking this like separately, being like, oh my god. I don't, I don't think it was good, but I don't want to say it wasn't good, because, like, what if the other person is, like, oh, solid episode, let's <laughs> fucking put this shit out there, and then through, like, a series of, like, audio messages to each other, it was, like, slowly, like, revealing, like, it's like when you get in a friend group, and there's one bitch you don't like, but you don't know yet if, like, the, these are your people that you can, like, talk shit to, so you slowly start to test the waters, and then you realize, <laughs> oh, my God, you all hate the same person as me, thank God, like, breathe, <laughs> like, relief, um, so it was like that, and then we were kind of like, okay, you know what? It's going to destroy me if we have to record the same episode again about the same because oh, we, we sat for like those early episodes were like three hours, yeah. like, and it was like, I can't do it again. So then we were like, you know what? We'll put it in the, our back pocket. We'll do... We'll watch this movie again at some point and do it. And we'll do Sleepaway Camp. And I loved our Sleepaway Camp episode. Really fun. Great star. I mean, that's also a quintessential, like, B-horror movie. Mm. So, you know, perfect. And then... Yeah. And then we were kind of like, oh, well, like, who knows? Like, maybe, like, years from now, we're still doing the (laughs) podcast. We'll bring it up again. And honestly, we just couldn't wait that long. We were like, you know what? Perfect season one, closer. little behind-the-scenes for our dedicated (laughs) fans. Um... And so, yeah, we came back around to this fucking piece of cinema. We'll call it that. It Um, is unlike anything
0: else I've seen.
1: Yeah. um, Do you want to talk about the first time you saw it?
0: Sure. Um, So I have seen this movie three times for some reason. (laughs) Um, Obviously, the first time I saw it was on Anya's recommendation. And, you know, I think movies like this in general – are best when you go in blind you know don't read the synopsis don't watch any trailers just like enjoy it as the full experience that it is and it, it's one of those movies that's like so weird and cheesy and like on, everything's on the nose but also like I don't know it just has like pure 80s camp and I was very taken with it the first time I watched it because I was like this is so bad it's good. Um, on my second viewing for our episode, I I watched it with Greg, and I still really liked it. Um, I think probably because I had somebody else to watch it with. But I will say on a third viewing, I, I'm I'm slowly, like, losing interest in it. So hopefully I won't watch it again, because I, I want to remember it as the wild, ridiculous journey that it is. Um, I think, you know, a first viewing is going to be the best viewing that you get of it, in my opinion. But... I appreciate what it is, and I also recognize all of its faults.
1: Yeah, I think I, well, I know I first watched this on um, Joe Bob's Drive-In. Um, of course, you yeah. know, King with Immaculate Taste. Um, and honestly, now it feels like it's close to almost two years ago. Because I didn't watch this mm. during the last year, which was the pandemic. I watched this Uh, absolutely pre-pandemic um but you know everything blurs together now so I literally don't even fucking know anymore um anywho but I watched it yeah and I was like
0: oh my god
1: like I don't know I mean first of all incredible title right like this is one of those titles where it's like if you were at the video store throwing it back to once again our first episode when we brought that up like you were you see this title you're like I gotta slip it into my pile like I gotta (laughs) fucking see what this is um but I don't know, like, in the age of streaming, I might see it and, like, laugh about it. And, like, maybe if I was with friends, I would have mm-hmm. selected it. But, like, I don't know that on my own, I'd be like, let me watch Sorority Babes. And, like, it just, like, almost seems like a porn, which I think the director used to be a porn director. He was, yes. Um, but. I think it was softcore porn, but porn non- never, e- nonetheless. Uh, right, yes. Um. <laughs> And I watched it and I was also taken by it because like, you know, stuff we're going to talk about, like the people that are in it, um, just like the ridiculous nature of it. I was like, oh my God, this is what, what is this? I love this. And then, yeah, as I think we talked about, um. At some point, I I make these syllabi, the syllabuses, <laughs> however the fuck you say it plurally, for Alex, where essentially, like, if I watch a horror movie and I know that she hasn't seen it, whether it's a good, whether I think it's a good movie or a bad movie, I'll put it on a list for her and then send it to her and I'll, like, tell her where it's streaming and everything. Yeah, it's very when she gets thorough. through that list. Yeah, so when she gets through that list, I'll, I've already started, like, the next list, so it's already ready to There's give to her. There's
0: nothing I love more than lists and horror movies, so when you give me a list of horror, I'm like... <laughs> okay cancel all my plans
1: I mean it's a perfect combination because there's nothing I love more than making lists wow see that's why we're meant to be <laughs> right match made in heaven um so yeah threw it on there for her she watched it yeah I mean there's nothing much more I can say other than you know until we dive right into this movie it's I I've also seen it three times now and I think I get what you're saying where it's like it's one of those movies where it's like it isn't you know Dead Alive, which we will right. eventually do on this podcast, where it's like I think I could watch it three times in a row, and only love it more yeah. every fucking time that I watch it. um It's one of those movies where it's like it's fun the first time you see it because you don't know what you're getting <laughs> into, um and then you know even second time we watched it for the podcast, I think there was a sense of excitement as well because I was like oh my god well now I'm like really like watching it Mm -hmm. to like take stuff in to talk about and blah blah blah." so it was fun there too and then this third time I was kind of like doing other shit while I was watching it because I've seen it and I like know the whole fucking movie now it feels like one where it's like not necessarily that I would watch it once and then be like okay I'm you know making this vow to never watch again but more so it's just like you need at I feel like two, three years in between each watch, at least. Well,
0: because I feel like the magic of like this kind of movie is when it's new and fresh and just like so weird that you don't know what you're processing. And so when you've, you know, taken it all in and you understand it all, it's less fun and just more like, yeah, that's not like the best made thing I've ever seen. I think it's really fun with a group of people where you can like, yeah talk and like laugh and joke about it
1: um but yeah okay well now that we've you know laid the land for you guys yes. um we should firstly say that it's streaming obviously yes. we always pick stuff for me that's streaming you can watch it on shutter you know as per you yes, do you, you know, know if it's go. streaming anywhere right is there anywhere else it's, yeah, streaming? it's on prime pluto tv and sling tv okay sick so you know if you guys uh you know, need plans for your week or your weekend. Need something to watch. Need something just like pure ridiculous. And this shit's seventy nine minutes. Yes, it's it is. really terse. Um, this is perfect because at the very least, then you know, if you if you happen to be someone that you are, are going back into the office for work, you got some water cooler talk. Or if you're <laughs> on a Zoom meeting for work and you need something to fill the dead air, guys, guess what I guess what I watched this weekend. Um, you'll never believe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So we're really teeing you up yeah. to have some great uh, work I'm sure Karen from
0: Human Resources is going to love to hear about it.
1: Uh, hear about, yeah, um, this, I can't. <laughs> about this atrocity. Oh. Um, so you have some fun behind the scenes or fun facts for me?
0: Yes. I'm very curious to see because obviously when we recorded our first time through, I believe you did the fun facts. And I think I did. I don't remember any of them, so... Neither do I'm I. I'm hoping this is fresh for you. <laughs> um, they left my head immediately. Okay, so, just some, like, background information. This, okay. as you already said, the runtime is hour 19, so fucking quick. I love a movie that's under 90 minutes. I really mm. appreciate that. Um, it was made in 1988, or it came out in 1988. It's rated R, and it had a budget of only $90,000. So, mm. it's truly be horror in every sense. Um, this is a shocking fact. This script was written in 10 days and there was no second draft. Can you believe it?
1: Oh my God. I mean, (laughs) just like the, the character building, Mm -hmm. that rich plot. I mean, only in 10 days? Yeah. Unfathomable. The layers. Uh,
0: Honestly, there was a, there was a, a line that I caught this time watching it through that explained something much later on that is just such a small moment that no one would like remember that it took me three times watching it to be like, oh, I get it now. So that's how you know, you know.
1: That's how you know that uh, the writing is god tier. Yeah. Obviously,
0: yeah, it's like a Christopher Nolan film. You have to watch it multiple times. Christopher
1: Nolan wishes he wrote <laughs> *Sorority babe <laughs> Could and you slime imagine a Christopher Nolan wrote version it? of
0: this film? Oh my
1: dog! They would just be like on the ceiling the whole time or some of shit, yeah. like. I'm kind of here for
0: it. Um, Okay, so in a similar vein, uh, this movie was shot in 12 days. um, And they did pretty much only night shoots because they didn't want to have to rent out the bowling alley during the day because their budget was Mm. so small. So everything that they filmed, they filmed at night in the mall. or I don't think it was actually in the mall. I think it was like a separate bowling alley. But they used it when it was closed. Um, And this is a fun fact because when we did dolls and... Castle Freak; Those are both Mm -hmm. films produced by Charles Band. And Mm -hmm. this film is also produced by Charles Band. We just, like, love to have his content here. Oh, my God. Um, And yet again, this was a movie that just started out as a poster and a title. And the original title was The Imp.
1: Oh, The Imp.
0: Was the poster the same? No, both things were different. But it was a situation, again, where Charles Band had, like, a name and a poster. And he said, here, take these, make a movie out of it. And we'll... we'll Charles Band in.
1: is fucking wild for that.
0: He doesn't give a shit. He's like... This podcast, you guys, actually produced by Charles Band. <laughs> <We can't> gotta imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I hope one day. Uh,
1: this is a, a, a season finale fun fact for you. Oh
0: my god. Yeah, I feel like Charles Band just, like, wakes up in the morning and just writes down his dreams and
1: then he makes a poster of it and sends someone out. And that's it. Honestly, that's fun. Like, all those things where it's, like, speaking of somebody that, tr- you know, attempts to write... um, or sometimes when you're blocked and you're like, I just need to write something. I need inspiration. That's mm-hmm. just like almost like a fun game to play. Like, pick a picture. Make this a movie poster. If this was a movie poster, what would it be called? What would it be about? Mm-hmm. Go with that. Or, like, I think there's, like, a bunch of shit online now where they just, like, give you, like, random idea generators and you just run with it. And, like, sometimes <laughs> that's all you need.
0: Honestly, I would rather that than just, like, a rehashing of the same movie I've seen 16 times.
1: Oh, for sure.
0: So, um, Well, obviously, they did not go with the name The Imp. Um, So... Once the film was shot, they wanted to rename it. So Charles Band decided to make a contest amongst all of the employees at the production company to come up with the best movie name. And oh my God. the one that they landed on was Bitchin' Sorority Babes in the Slime Ball Bolo Rama. But Ooh. everybody hated it except for your boyfriend Andres Jones, who was obsessed with it. My that. boyfriend! Um, and so obviously that's what they went with went with, but the MPAA made them take out the word bitchin. So that was the I original mean, title.
1: You know, I love the word bitchin'. I it's really a good do. Word. Um, but it's already a mouthful of a title. Yeah. And I think adding on that one other word would have just been a lot. I
0: love how they were like, uh, take off the bitchin and then it's it's nice. You know? Then it's you know, it just like warms the heart. It's a clean tugs at those high name. Like, okay. Yeah. So it was you know, in my heart, it is the bitch and sorority babes in the slime ball, Bolo Rama. <sighs> um, let's see. Um, so I thought this was not so much a fun fact, but a, a fact that I wanted to bring up, which is um, there's a scene that we will talk about where two of the characters, Keith and Taffy, are, you know, about to have sex. And she is pretty much fully nude. She's wearing like garters, maybe, and like underwear, but she has no top on. And apparently, during the scene, the actor who played Keith was supposed to be naked, um, but he said that he didn't want to do it, so he refused, which is his right. That's totally fine. But mm-hmm. the agreement was that if he wasn't going to do it, he was going to wear tidy whiteies, I guess, to like give more of like a like a shape. You could like see his crotch, I guess, because she was going to be okay. naked. Um, but then when he showed up on set, he was wearing boxers. So while I risk I respect his opinion and his desire to not do it I think it's bullshit that she had to do it and he did not
1: well two things I think he is wearing tidy whities in the end is he from what I'm recalling from that scene yeah maybe they made his, like, him change um I think in general male female ha- however you identify mm-hmm. um Maybe you don't advise but either. Um, you should not be forced into any situation okay. on a movie set or wherever. And I hate the idea, and it definitely we've talked about this many times, that like back in the eighties and stuff, like if you didn't want to do it, they could and would just be like, then you don't get the role. Mm-hmm. And I don't I don't really entirely know what that is like now. I would assume and hope that for the most part unless it's like pivotal to the story and the character Mm -hmm. that if someone's like listen I you know I'm perfect for this role blah blah blah. I just do not feel comfortable being nude on camera that they can work around it but yeah I I get the idea of just like yeah he has every right to be like I don't want to be in my Mm -hmm. underwear I don't want to be naked it makes me uncomfortable valid Man or woman, but then of course, and and it goes both ways though, because it's like maybe she was just like I'm fucking, I'm I'm down to be naked, like I I don't give a fuck. And if that's the case, then I hope at the end of the day everybody felt comfortable and was happy. But it is a sense of like at the end of the day, she's your scene partner, and like I hope that just like he was mindful of her comfort level as well. That's
0: yeah, that's not just his own. What I hope, because I didn't see anything about any of the women being nude, but they're pretty much all naked at some point. Um, or, yeah. like, in very skimpy clothes. And I would hope that, you know, if she w- – since she did, that she was open and willing to do it. And it wasn't something that was just like, oh, well, if he doesn't want to do it, that's fine. But she has to. So. Right. I'm going to assume, just for, you know, my own sanity, that's not how it went. Um, mm-hmm. But that scene was supposed to be play a little bit more like softcore porn than it actually did. Um, because, like you said, the director originally made porn. Right. Um but speaking of the director, director David Dakota, he wanted Linnea Quigley in his film so badly, which, you know, obviously, why wouldn't you? Don't we That all? he literally just gave her the script and said, pick any role that you want, whatever role that you want is yours. Mm-hmm. Which I love, because she basically didn't even have to fucking
1: audition at that point. It's just Clean. like, pick your poison. And surprisingly... Um, Because Leia, I feel like, is known for a lot of her movies getting naked, taking her top mm-hmm. off. I mean, think of, like, Return of the Living Dead, iconic scene in the cemetery. That she is, I, th- I don't know, actually, not the only one, but one of the few that does not get naked in this movie. Yes, it's true. So I I thought, I mean, and she also plays a character that's, I think,
0: pretty different than a lot of her other roles. Um, But she apparently lied when she signed on to the film because she told them, which I think a lot of, like, you know actors do where they just kind of like spice up their resume a little bit because they want the part uh-huh. where she said oh yeah i totally know how to ride a motorcycle and then when they were shooting the last scene people saw her on set getting motorcycle lessons like very like in the, like in the background love
1: that. um i mean she only well, love me that she made for, that like, choice after they were like you can have whatever you want
0: yeah like you don't have to lie in this <laughs> um, and then the very last thing i found which i know you already are aware of um, okay. is that Sorority Babes Two is yes. currently filming? Um, oh, it is. It's currently it's filming? currently filming Sorority Babes and the Slime Ball Bola Rama Two. I will say the poster does not look great.
1: Um,
0: I mean, yeah, it's gonna be another
1: low budget. Yeah. I and mean.
0: so, as of right now, three people have uh, signed on to be in this re- uh, the sequel, I guess, which are Brink Stevens, who played Taffy. Uh, mm-hmm. Linnea Quigley who plays Spider and Michelle Bauer who plays Lisa but it also says that Brink Stevens the woman who plays Taffy is the, also the director
1: So that's oh fun. for real
0: mm-hmm. I think that's going to be really good I would love to see this film through a female lens because the first movie is just very sexual very you know male gaze whatever the males want honestly predatory at times so I'm excited to see it from a, a woman's perspective
1: Oh, I'm so excited. Um, this is one of the, like, I mean, I'm glad that it's not, I don't know why I'm saying this. I was going to say, I'm glad that it's not a remake, you know, it's just a sequel. <laughs> as if, like, the first, the first one is so immaculate it can't, <laughs> can't be it. fixed. Um, but something I saw when I was uh, looking at this online is there's another movie, and as far as I can see, it's not directly in, involved or, like, related to Sorority Babes and Slimeball Bolarama, Um but hold on let me see what it says here it, the poster says um, more goofy fun from the creators of sorority babes in the slime bubblerama so i'm assuming that somebody from that first movie was involved with this but it's called we have to do this at some oh, point God. we have to i haven't even seen it but we have to do it it's called sorority babes in the danceathon of death oh yeah the poster it literally just looks like it, it is like just like an adult video tape cover. Um, and the tagline is the biggest boobiest bimbo fest of them all. Oh boy. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think that just fully encompasses what we're all about here. Big boob bimbos at oh, all yeah. times.
0: That poster so. also kind of looks like, it simultaneously looks like a porno, but also kind of like a do- like a, a lifetime movie about a woman that got murdered oh my god yeah right like oh uh, yes. the story of like jennifer graham and i'm like oh
1: yeah 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 yeah. i know you're right it's it's both of those at once a sexual thriller oh, yes oh my god
0: that would absolutely be on lifetime it would start like mark Harmon. it would be great mm. mm-hmm. all right well, well anya do you want to give us a little um brief summary of the film so if anyone has no interest in watching it they can have they can follow along
1: um for sure i'm gonna do my best to keep this brief yeah, it's, i'm not gonna touch upon any
0: a, a wild
1: yeah essentially broad understanding of the film is we started a college campus there's a sorority house these two girls um are there they're gonna get initiated and while that's happening this group of like three college boys hanging out in like a dorm room or what the fuck ever are like oh my god the initiation's gonna go on tonight we should go spy on it so in the process of then spying on these girls getting fucking paddled to become part of the sorority they get caught And so the three girls that are doing the paddling and, you know, the heads of this sorority are like, you know what, for your final task to be initiated in the sorority, you two girls have to go with these three boys to the bowling alley in the mall and steal a trophy and bring it back. So they head out to do that. Well, of course, the three girls of the sorority are like, well, my daddy owns them all, so we're <laughs> going to go watch them suffer and make sure they can't get the task done. They get there, and before anybody can intervene with anybody, they bust open by accident one of these bowling trophies to find um, an imp inside, an imp that's all too willing to grant them wishes. Um so to mention that while they're the bowling alley, they meet Linnea Quigley's character, who is badass biker chick uh, named Spider, who's robbing the place. So this whole gang now, half of them are getting wishes, you know, half of them are like, "What the fuck's going on?" Half of them are like, "We're not fucking with this." And then of course, mayhem ensues because wishes go wrong. Then the imp just starts turning people into fucking the undead, or debatably. Um, and then we kind of just follow. At this point, then, our two leads, which is Linnea Quigley and Andres Jones, the two that didn't uh, take the imp up on his offer, uh, and they're just trying to do whatever they can to get out of the mall, trap the imp back inside some container, and survive the night as you know, their friends and other members of the group are being transformed and killed and tortured um, in the silliest ways imaginable. Um, and that is, in a nutshell... In a, in a bowling trophy <laughs> enclosement, um, sorority babes in the slimeball rama. That was a very good description. Thank you. I would
0: rather just listen to you say that than watch the movie again.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, at this point, I mean, I, I don't know when I'll ever watch this movie again. One Five day. Five years from now, maybe. One day. Um, so I guess we should jump right in to the movie. Yes. Well,
0: I figured that we should start off by addressing the elephant in the room, which is your obsession with Andres Jones. (laughs) I love that that's the elephant in the room. (laughs) Well, because we brought him up in our Nightmare episode because he plays the brother in Nightmare on Street 4, the karate master. Uh, And I will say that while I don't necessarily have, like, a crush on him like you do, I will say he has some fucking range because if you didn't tell me that that was the same actor, I would never know. Ever. Ever. So See, he, I'm the type. Oh, <laughs> he looks completely different. His character
1: is very different. You know, it's I'm the type that like I will become obsessed with like such random like sometimes like obviously there's actors that I love that like aren't like Jake Hall, right mm-hmm. like would cut off my arms and legs for that motherfucker. Like, I'm not alone in that, girlies. I know I'm not alone in that. Um, But then there's also, and it tends to be actors, like, from older movies, like the 80s or whatever, that most people now, if you brought them up, are absolutely no fucking clue who this person is. Like, this one is less so an Andres Joes one, but I love, like, obsessed with uh, this actor, Michael Bean, who, if you're an 80s fan, you would know him because he's... um, Kyle Reese in Terminator, he's, um, Hicks, Corporal, Corporal Dwayne Hicks in Aliens, he's, um, in Tombstone, uh, if you watched The Mandalorian, he had a cameo in season Ooh. two. Yes. Did your head where your Dog, he was, like, in a standoff between, it was him and The Mandalorian, oh my and God. I was like, oh, short-circuiting, short-circuiting, <laughs> um, so I, most 80s fans probably, like, know of him, but he wasn't, like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger-level star or mm-hmm. anything, but like I will just like latch onto them, and I, if I see them even for a split second in something, I'm like, oh my god, there they are. <laughs> Everyone else is like, I don't think so. And I'm like, you don't fucking go to IMDb right now. I guarantee you, I'm right. And I think I had the same experience with this, where like when I watched the first time, I was like, excuse me, you recognize? Is that, him? that? Oh yeah, I was like Rick.
0: <laughs> I was like, is that Rick, like Rick from a, Nightmare Four? He has like a floppy ass like head of hair it with bangs. Matter. He has I, big I was glasses. Just
1: like, so wow. I was so crushing on him in Nightmare 4 that I was just, like, imprinted in my brain. That's so interesting. I think he's... That I was, like... I think he's hotter in Sorority Babes, personally, but... Okay, hot take, because I... We definitely brought this up the first time we recorded, (laughs) and we have to bring it up. We have to bring it up, because, um... One of our friends, we've mentioned on here before, uh, he's the co-host of the podcast The Old, Ki- the Old Kids Movies, um, which you can find on Spotify and Apple Music and all that fun stuff. Um, uh, he's a fake fan because I'm pretty sure he doesn't listen to this podcast, so he'll never hear this. Um, but as I said, I want to put this on record. I am in love with Andres Jones in Nightmare 4. And while I love him in this movie because, like, it's Andres Jones, his character, the way that he looks, and so freakily the way that he acts, is exactly like Trevor. It's true. Like, to yeah. a T. Like, the look at first, we were, like, laughing about. We were like, oh my... And I think I totally rewatched it. I was like, there's this character in here that looks just like Trevor, like you're in a freak. He like, really does. And especially in the on the rewatches, when I was like, oh my god, now it's, like, fully ingrained in my head, like, Ella look, looks like Trevor... I was like, wait, the shit that he's saying and doing is like shit that would come out of Trevor's mouth. It's freaky. Yeah. Um so Trevor, if you do listen, check it out. It's your fucking doppelganger. Yeah. Um There's
0: a there's a moment in the movie where his character, um, Calvin has one beer and he's like stumbling everywhere and like falling down and like yeah. doesn't know what's going on. And I'm like, Oh, every fucking Friday night at flat top Johnny's when Trevor would have one dirty Shirley and be fucking throwing I was fries like to the, the dirty floor.
1: Shirley's Oh, I miss it. Those <laughs> oh, are the good days. God. Well, it, he also just like does stuff where like, not to shit on Trevor, Trevor, we love you. <laughs> um, but just like shit where it's like this girl's trying to rob the place and he's like, Oh, if you need money, like I, I can loan you this dollar. And she was like, what the fuck am I going to do with a dollar? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I don't know. I just thought. Um, so, Trev, much love to you. Definitely watch this movie. But we had to address that for ourselves almost. Then. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and I want on record, Trevor, I love you. I have to confess I don't have a crush on you. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Can't
0: believe you just put him on blast my,
1: like that. <laughs> my crush on Andres Jones does not translate because he looks exactly like you in this movie. Um, I'm so sorry, King. I do love you but I just don't have a crush on you like that. Um, you know. Moving <laughs> on. But yeah. I mean, I think he's great in this movie. I think he's really funny. Um, he, he play To the fact that like I believe him because as we're saying like yeah. I know people like him, like Trevor and he plays it so well that I'm like I believe this is a real person because I know this person. It's fucking Trevor. Yeah. He's very convincing. Um, That's why I say his, his yeah, he's really fun. And it's like a Yeah, I mean, it's a fun juxtaposition, his character Mm. being this kind of, like, debatably sweet, like, you know, well-meaning, like, nerdy character that you could just, like, spit in his face and he'll just be like, thanks, like, just (laughs) so nice. Where he's being paired up with Linnea Quigley's spider, who's just like, bad bitch biker, could beat the shit out of you. And also, no matter what you say, she's just, like, spitting back venom at you. And he's just, like, happy to be along for the ride with her. Like, she's just, like, telling him off all the time. And he's just, like, do, do, do following along, which is kind of the dream. Just to be able to be as mean as you want to a man, and he still still dotes on you. That kind of is your dream relationship, I think. You being spider. I Okay, I say that, but, like, in reality, like, if I like you which none of you fucking hosts would know what that's like because I hate all of you. Um if I like you, I'm like fucking syrup sweet. It like is embarrassing. Like I will let you be nasty to me and I'll just take it. Like I'm like, oh thanks. Yeah, but I think
0: if you like started dating that person, and you got comfortable, I think your Aries energy would switch on.
1: And I would just decimate them yeah. at every turn. Absolutely. Just destroy their will to live every day that they wake up. Yeah, oh, for but sure. they would be so Dream enamored with you that they would just follow along. Oh, doesn't this, guys? I'm just like down a one way street to the healthiest relationship on planet Earth. <laughs> if this podcast has proved one thing, it's that I'm ready to be in a relationship. Yeah. It'll happen. <laughs> it's going to happen.
0: Uh, oh, but, my God. Okay, moving on. Um, Unless you have anything else you want to say about Andres.
1: I, we should not okay. fucking linger any longer on my crushes.
0: Before we get into any of the, like, main plot points, there is something I have to address because it is okay. the reason that we started this podcast. It was, like, the thing that inspired Greg to have the idea. Oh. And now <laughs> yeah. that we've done Jack Frost and we have had a similar <clears throat> kind of situation, I think it's clear mm-hmm. to say that I hate when movies have shower scenes that don't mm-hmm. make fucking sense like in mm-hmm. jack frost if you haven't listened to our episode um shannon elizabeth takes a full she know she blow dries her hair forever and then dunks her head in a bathtub and I, it makes my fucking brain shake i hate it i don't understand it and there is a similar moment in this film that i was ranting about and it it made greg go why don't you just you know tell other people about this on in a podcast and not maybe, <laughs> <basically>. <laughs> i don't want to <laughs> fucking hear it um, and i was like okay um which is that in the initiation of these two girls lisa and taffy um which by the way it's the most tame fucking initiation i've ever seen they get paddled on the on the butt and they're wearing of course like you know high up underwear with like the tiniest crop top i've ever seen and they're getting like paddled on the butt and then the second part of the, the initiation is that they're getting sprayed with whipped cream and at this point they're still in their crop tops and underwear so the whipped cream is going like on their shirt and on their stomach and then the girls go okay go clean off and then like come back down for the third part and so we get this incredibly long scene of Taffy in the shower and Lisa standing at the mirror naked fully naked brushing her hair Mm -hmm. Um, but what drives me fucking crazy about this is that Taffy's in the shower and she has like the shower head off and she's like you know moving it around her body trying to get all the the whipped cream off herself but the whipped cream is now smeared all over her boobs which doesn't make sense because she had a shirt on but she's washing it off and every time they cut to her she has more on her body and it just like it won't end and it's so like over the top you know over sexualized where there's just she washes her breasts entirely of whipped cream and then we cut to to Lisa brushing her hair and then we cut back and she has like way more whipped cream on her boobs and it just won't end it just goes on and on and on and on and it just it bothers me anya
1: well, I mean, it's definitely over-sexualized because you have the three boys yeah. at this point who have broken into the house to watch, dead ass in the bathroom door, mm-hmm. like, watching them. Like, So, drooling. literally, there's a specific shot. Yeah, there's a specific shot when she's been washing it off. And I was waiting for it because I was like, I know this shit pisses Alex off so much. <laughs> and they cut to, like, their point of view. And she's already, at this point, like, we've seen her, like, wash it off her thighs, wash it off her backside. Now it's just kind of on her, like, boobs still. They cut to their point of view, saying, like, it isn't like them jumping back in time and it's all over her legs again, all over her ass, because that's their point of view. Um, The water pressure in this fucking sorority (laughs) house, get it fucking checked out. No, like, we're dead ass. She has this, like, shower head, and it's coming out like a a leaky faucet. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh my god, like, fuck the whipped cream of the initiation. Like, how the fuck are y'all showering comfortably in the sorority house? Like, I need to come out of the shower, like, where my skin is red from both the heat Mm. and the water pressure. Like, I want to be beat, to shit in my shower um so like this like trickling out girls yeah it was just not gonna make there's also not a shower curtain she's just like no it's literally just just like a fucking tub it's just a
0: tub and it's like oh well we're just all naked around each other like the fact that lisa is naked at
1: the sink like half brushing her hair there's no need why and even beyond like okay like I don't give a fuck if y'all are all comfortable to be naked around each other. Go off. Like, that's what, like, a lot of girls' locker rooms are like or whatever. But it's just more so, like, in a a regular – like, it's one thing to not have shower curtains, like, right in a locker room where it is just, like, there's a whole section that's just showers and tiles and you can get water wherever you want. Like, this is in, like, a normal bathroom, and it's, like, a fucking, like, normal, like, tub just standing there with no shower curtain. And I'm just, like, y'all are going to get water all over the fucking floor. Well,
0: probably not because the water pressure's so bad.
1: No, you're right. That's why you don't have a shower curtain. When you yeah. have shit water pressure, don't even fucking buy a, a shower curtain. Yeah, I think we cracked it. I think I that's can. it. You're right. Uh, thank God for our sleuthing ability. But <laughs> this does play into the whole thing as well, which is just like the way that when you watch this now, especially the opening, where it is like the whole opening is like, you even take out the shit about the, the sorority girls getting initiated and all, you know, feelings about that. Because I'll come back to that. But the idea that it's like, oh, it's like goofy and silly humor to have these three boys spying on these girls. In general, doing whatever. Mm -hmm. Just spying on them, invading their privacy. Now spying on them where they're like in skimpy clothes, getting their asses paddled. And then taking it a step further, breaking into the house to watch it, to get a better view. And then when they hear, oh, we're going to go upstairs and take a shower, a la get naked. They're like oh my god, let's go up and then open their bathroom door and, like, that's scary shit. Like, that's like, beyond. Mm -hmm. Like, you should be locked away for that. But the way that it's played in this movie and a lot of movies from the 80s and shit like that is these, like, slapstick, goofy like, comedies. These, like, raunchy sexual comedies where it's like, it's not funny, especially because when you're watching as a, I hope it's not funny to anybody, but when you're watching as a woman, when you're like, yeah, like, lol, you laugh, but, like, that happens. That is a fear that you have as a woman, that, like, oh, this guy that has a crush on me that I'm not interested in, or these guys that are, like, oogling at me on campus during the day, oh, they're gonna break into my fucking sorority house and, like, watch me undress, or, like, watch me shower. And then even when, uh, Rhonda, she comes up the stairs and she sees them, like, looking in the shower at them, she's, like, Uh, and like at first you're like you know Rhonda's scary and like debatable in her choices Mm. Um, but she like sees them and she gets like angry right so she like kicks them into the bathroom questionable and they fall and instead of being like immediately like oh my god we weren't looking like you know horribly embarrassed that they're like fucking disgusting perverts. Like they're like, "Hey ladies, what's going on?" As these girls are desperately trying to cover up cuz they're buck ass naked yeah. and there's like not a towel in sight, um which I guess you don't need when the water pressure is shit. I guess. Um but then so it's just like and then they go downstairs and that's when like you would hope that like ronda and these other girls are like get the fuck out because they start by saying like we could fucking kill you mm-hmm. we could literally kill you and just say it with self-defense and like i'm like i want to see that movie fucking kill them like make like let's make that fun movie um but then of course the worst thing they could possibly do to these girls is they're like oh well actually we're gonna continue with the initiation and you have to take these guys along with you you have to ride in a car with them spend the whole night with them these guys that were like honestly like debatably are going to sexually assault you like it's it's just like yeah it's played it's not even entirely played for laughs but it's just like this just throw away like Ugh, these gross perverts we never end up with it's just like shit when you think about like i only saw this movie one time i don't know if i will ever rewatch it because i remember being kind of horrified and i think this was even back before i even like fully had a grasp on all of this stuff i watched revenge of the nerds mm-hmm. i don't know if you've ever seen it I um don't ever watch it alex it will infuriate you because essentially the whole premise is like from my re- recollection of it i know one thing for sure happens in this movie is that like these nerds are trying to get revenge that's the fucking premise yeah. and like they want to get revenge on these like sorority girls and like blah blah, blah and like doing all the shit but there's one scene in particular that's dead ass a oh, rape scene That is played just, like, the nerds won because they, like, from what I am recalling they trick this one sorority girl, like, into, they're at, like, a fucking carnival or a fair or something, and he, this nerd is, like, wearing a mask or, like, a costume, Mm -hmm. and he's convinced her somehow, like, and he knows that he has, whether he intended to or not, that she thinks it's her, like, frat boyfriend, so they go in, Mm -hmm. and she starts to have sex with them or let him have sex with her and she thinks it's her boyfriend and then it's like revealed he like reveals that it's not and I'm like I remember watching this and I was like I'm not talking like you know six or seven but I was younger than I am now and like thankfully I've become more educated about these things for my own safety but like I remember being like wait what and just feeling so wild and uncomfortable because I was like just like it processing in my head, I'm like, this is, right now it's supposed to be funny. This is supposed to be a moment where we're like, as an audience, like, oh my God, he got her. And like, you know what? And then the whole turn is like, she's like, well, you know what? Maybe I am into you. Like, let's continue fucking. Serious? Or I, from what I'm recalling. Yeah. I mean, there's no repercussions for it. She's not like, what the fuck this guy raped me? <sighs> like, it's just like, and that happened. But I remember just being like, so wildly like, wait, no, she doesn't like him. She's not a tri- like She doesn't know that she's... Like, it just bothered me. And I was like, this is for some people. And I think now, I think most people who are called this movie know that it's fucked up. Um, It's so funny because when I walk to work, I will not see where I'm working so I don't get killed. But when I walk to work, there's this poster that I've seen. um, Like on a wall somewhere. I don't know how old it is, but it's, like, it looks like it was for, like, a Revenge of the Nerds remake. Because mm-hmm. says Revenge of the Nerds on it. it. looks like the original poster, but it's not the original guy. And they're, like, holding up the fucking panties. And people have, like, defaced it. Oh, good. Like, and I'm like, thank God. I mean, I don't know if that's why they did it, but, like, thank God. Yeah, so, like, the, be- the beginning of this movie gives me vibes of that, where it's, like, it's shit that would not, should not, should have never flied. That is played off as, like, oh, you know, let's just, just boys being boys. Yeah, well, or what I the think it's capper? astounding that, like, however
0: old you were, whether it was like 10, 13, whatever, the fact that, like, you inherently understood that that was not something that was okay to happen, and the fucking probably like white business executive men who greenlit this film and the people who made the film didn't recognize it. It's, it's just astounding to me that like a child can be like that is what is this this is like so morally reprehensible even when you don't understand why and that these people who have like right are fully fucking grown adults are actively choosing to make those decisions it's horrible i'm so glad that we're not for the most part living in you know a society right now that would make something
1: like that you know i think we've come a long way well it's one of those things that like and i i'm guilty of this Sometimes i don't really say it out loud because i just like think it's tacky sounding all the time but it's like when people say that shit where it's like i grew up in the wrong generation i was i grew up in the 80s and not to say like, there isn't a lot of great shit about the 80s because bitch that's how i feel a lot mm-hmm. of time i'm like oh my god that's like peak fucking horror what i wouldn't have given to see this movie this, oh, yeah. movie, this movie in the theater and that's great but it's like the same shit of like when people are like, I wish I grew up in the '50s, and it's like, bitch, you can still go to a diner and get a milkshake. Like, can do yep. racism? Does that ring a bell for yeah. you? Did I you mean, want to be a housewife? That it's erased now? Yeah, like, where this shit too, where I'm like, once again, not that it's miraculously fixed now, but it's it was definitely not better the further back you go mm-hmm. in time. Um, but I think yeah, my recognition of it when I watched that just like kind of plays into like. Things we've talked in here before where it's like, as a woman watching anything about the female experience or just like seeing another woman on screen in in a sexual interaction, especially one that is not favorable, is her not giving consent, it's almost impossible, at least I'll speak for myself, to separate myself from that. Yeah. Because I think part of me when I was watching that was like, oh my – well, I was like, imagine if I – was hooking up with a boy, or with a boy, and I thought it was, you know, my crush or something, Mm -hmm. and it was really, you know, the weird kid from the back of class that's obsessed with me that I've been like, no, I don't like you that way, tricking me into, like, fucking them. Like, I would... The trauma, like... absolutely. And I think that's what went through my... It wasn't Mm -hmm. even, like... Because, like, okay, it's this fictional sorority girl character in this, like, stupid, zany 80s comedy, and I know it's not happening to her for real... So it was less so, like, I care about this character and invested with her. And more so, just like, as any, this shouldn't happen to anyone, Mm -hmm. shouldn't happen to any woman. And I can't help but, like, even at that age, whether I realized it or not, like, put these real world, you know, Mm. stakes on it for myself of like, that's horrifying. And do people think this is funny? Wait, people, and it's like, and it was like, kind of, wake up, baby girl, yeah, that's what it's like for women in this world, like, and sadly, I feel like it was one of those first instances where I was like, oh, this is what it's like to be a woman. Yep. Great. Yay! <laughs> you know, <laughs> yay!
0: Yeah. Um, but to go back quickly to the, to Sorority Babes and everything that you talked about, yeah, I think this opening scene of them, I mean, just in the opening scene of the three boys who are like, you know, Calvin is just watching a horror movie. He has no interest and going to the sorority Mm -hmm. house, but the other two boys are, like, fucking, like, dicks out ready to go. And they, you know, Mm -hmm. fly him with one beer and get him drunk so they can take him. But, like, from the very beginning, the sexual politics of the film are so bad because, like you were saying, the men have no remorse. They're not trying to hide the fact that they're peeping Toms, that they're, you know, that they are looking at these women in a very vulnerable situation without their consent like there's none of that but then on the flip side of that like obviously taffy and lisa are not happy about it but like you said Rhonda and the other sorority like women don't seem to give too much of a shit they just continue to put the recruits or whatever you want to call them into more potential danger and she says something right before she says that she could kill them which like really bothered me because she said we could kill you. And then when the cops come, we could just say that you are rapists. And you know, it was self defense. So who are they gonna believe? And I just like had such a fucking issue with that. Because women don't do that. And that's the whole reason why so many people like don't believe women and haven't believed women over the years. Because there's, you know, this fucking idea that women would just say it just to get out of a situation. And that would never fucking happen. So when, you know, it was just so casual. And like, Oh, and because I think the guys are like, isn't that a little harsh? And I'm like, nobody would do that. Nobody would say that. And I hate that they're playing it for laughs. It's
1: like not cute. No, I agree because it's like, I think when I heard it, it bothered me a little less. Only because of the fact that I was like, these guys are fucking gross. Right. And what they did was like wrong in so many ways. But no, you're correct because like that is just how some people view this shit and why like these men love to get in the comments of things and be like well that's why allegations are allegations you know for a reason mm-hmm. and blah 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 and and my thing with them I don't want to get deep into it because then we're going to get on a long ass tangent is when these women come forward with these allegations no one's expecting the angry mob to get in the street with the lit torches and go and fucking like murder this motherfucker because like well she said so it's time to die. What they're asking for is if she's coming forward, any woman or anybody with this shit, and saying, this person did this to me, and I'm not even going to get into the whole shit that y'all, some not y'all hopefully listening, but these motherfuckers out here love to be like, well, why did you take so long? I will oh be my somebody's God. ass for yeah, no. this shit. I can't get into it. Um, but they're asking that you believe them they're not asking that like suddenly you're at this motherfucker's door and like killing his entire family or some shit but there's also that sense of like guilt and i can speak thankfully not from an a horribly extreme experience but i won't get into it but i was on a film set essentially at one point and i was in a scene with somebody that was making me uncomfortable outwardly he was doing shit that was inappropriate He was just horsing around in general on the set and, like, not being professional and then doing shit directly to me that made me feel inappropriate. And I let it go on for, like, quite literally hours because I I could have easily stopped and been like, I need to talk to somebody right now. Like, I cannot do this. And I was, like, gritting my teeth and then didn't even do anything to be like, get this motherfucker out of here or make huge allegations or anything. I just, like, went to somebody when we were on our lunch break and I pulled somebody aside a woman who thankfully like I could trust I had met her that day she brought me to somebody else higher up on the set and she was like tell them what you told me and I told them like okay he's just doing stuff and like I just like don't feel comfortable and that's all I said and they took it on themselves to be like we're not having that on our set we are gonna make sure you feel comfortable thank god it was like you know I felt taken care of but you feel so shaken up and I just like felt so dirty afterward but then there was a sense for months afterwards and I didn't realize this until somebody from like the production like higher up in this production, I won't say what it is, um, called me months later and asked me, like, we have to follow up on this. And I was like, oh, yeah. And I started recounting the story to them. And I was, like, at another job, like, in a break room. And I started crying because I didn't realize how much it had affected me. And nothing huge happened. Like, doesn't lessen it because it was inappropriate and it made me feel uncomfortable and it was Mm -hmm. not okay. But then there was a sense of guilt where, like, you start to think, like, oh god like is it I'm the problem like no it wasn't that serious I'm even doing it now where I'm like it wasn't that serious it wasn't a big deal I'm it out of proportion and that's I'm I'm not gonna cry in this podcast motherfucker I'm not gonna do it Um, but that's how you feel and it's so awful so when these motherfuckers wonder there's so many reasons why these women don't come forward or these people don't come forward these survivors and it's just because like we are trained to think because of then the actions you have taken with past women that have come forward to think like you know, oh, it wasn't that bad, and like, oh, men can't do anything now without getting called out, and it's like, we are then made to feel like, oh, maybe it isn't, I don't want to ruin somebody's life, that's what I'm trying to do, like, I don't want to ruin, and it's like, so you feel like you have to be silenced in your, in your pain, and in your trauma, Mm -hmm. because, oh, well, what if this bothers somebody else, and it's like, at the end of the day, girl, they didn't give a fuck about how you felt when they did it to you, they didn't care about like, how is this going to affect them long term. So. We need to move on from this tangent because, like, it's getting dark in this bitch. It's true. It's but tough yeah. to be a woman. But it's a little bit easier, I think, these days, hopefully. I mean, I mean it's definitely easier than, like, you know, the 1800s. I can tell you
0: that. Well, yeah. Um, but, okay, <laughs> I guess we should move on. I mean, I'm sure the sexual politics of this film will come up here and there again because it continues throughout the entire film. I think this is just, like, that opening sequence – Uh, you know, up until they actually go to the mall, really kind of sets the stage for just the, like, relationship dynamics between the men and the women. And it's, you know, Mm -hmm. it it makes, it all makes sense when you know the background of, like, you know, it's a softcore porn director who, you know, porn is not known for its (laughs) gender equality, I would say, um, over the years. Um, But, like, you know. It's also a movie called Sorority Babes and the Slimeball Rama, So I guess I'm not going to take it too seriously. Um, even though we just...
1: That's the thing at the end of the day where it's like you pick this up and like I'm not expecting this to, as you're saying, to have like incredible gender politics. And like <laughs> I really wish. Like, you know, be a step in the right direction for feminism. Like, no, not at all. And which is why I think that like we should... For this podcast, and also just in general, when you're watching it, like once you get through that initial, and mind you, it's 79 minutes. It's not that long. Like that opening, when they get to the bowling alley, and then it's just like we get Linnea Quigley. Thank fucking god. Honestly, you're in a cool bowling alley at night, and then you get the imp loose, and it's just like fucking ridiculous shit. Not to say that there isn't problematic shit still beyond that point, but it's that's where it allows you to be like, okay. I can still enjoy this film. Yeah. This stupid piece of fucking B-horror camp. Like, I can have fun yeah. with it.
0: I think it's just important to recognize and, you know,
1: say – No, yeah. yeah. That was not
0: cute. That does not age well. But I will, you know, put it to the side and
1: recognize that it's not a perfect film. Um yeah and i think that that's the whole thing with watching it multiple times is like the more you watch it the more you're just like yeah Yeah, i
0: think the first time i was just so mad about the whipped cream and then the more i've seen it the more i'm like look at the way they're treating these women and i just like probably should stop watching it (laughs) once we get to the meat and potatoes of the film and everyone's in the bowling alley together and they unleash this imp from the trophy and he emerges from this cloud of smoke i think the puppetry is really fun He's this, like, mm-hmm. small, weird-looking little dude. Um, he has this very, like, you refer to it as the Oogie Boogie voice, I believe. Yeah,
1: like from uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes, yeah. He's
0: just, like, it's very weird. Like, everything about it, it feels very surreal when he speaks, when he just, like, is... Because he has, like, a wisecrack inside to him. So, it's... I'm not afraid of him. I feel like they they really wanted to go as campy as possible with this creature and have him, like, have, like, these zingy one-liners, but then have the, like, these little moments of being, like, really dark and then being like, oh, ha, ha, just kidding, guys. And then, like, being so, he's just so fucking weird. I kind of love him. I kind of hate him. Does
1: he have a name? Is he just the imp? I think he's just the imp. He talks like... Um, he's hosting, like, Wheel of Fortune or something. Mm -hmm. Because at one point, he's literally like, hey, fellas, aren't we so glad that there's so many lovely ladies in the audience tonight? (laughs) And they're all, like, literally standing right in front of him (laughs) as if there's, like, a crowd of people. And he's like, I can't hear you. He's been locked
0: up in that trophy, and he is a showman, and he has come
1: out, and he needs his audience. He's fucking hamming it up. That's how I feel every time we get on this podcast. I'm like... (laughs) I'm like, oh yeah, I've been locked up for weeks. Time to fucking talk it out. And Alex is like, yeah, great. <laughs>
0: uh, but um I mean, his whole thing is that, you know, it's very similar to like a genie in a bottle kind of moment where he has, he says he'll grant everyone any wish that they want. And like, I mean, I just have an issue. <laughs> with movies with like wishes where people make stupid wishes like we both know in fantasy island why would you wish oh my to God. be in the army why is that your wish? my
1: greatest wish in life is that i could sacrifice my life for this country
0: oh so stupid but
1: in this movie honestly Which actually, no hold on <laughs> i, I want to run that back i'm not even gonna say some shit about that because I'm not trying to for anybody that's enlisting in the army now, like, and the sacrifice they made. It's stupid in that movie because it's, like, it's not a real war. Yeah. It's not like you're actually doing something. It's just like, I just want to, I want to be at war. I want to risk my life for shits and giggles. And, and like, it's at a so resort. deranged. Yeah. No. So
0: dumb. But, like, the wishes in this movie are also wildly stupid in a lot of different ways. Because we have the, like, Chunky boy, I don't know his name, let me see. He's the worst of all of them, Jimmy. Um he's also in um I knew I recognized him, yes. he's also in uh Night of the Demons. Yes. Um, he's just like the worst of the three boys, like the creepiest. And luckily, mm-hmm. his wish was probably the most reasonable, which is that he wanted just gold, and he gets like a bunch of gold bars, and I'm like, okay, fine, I get mm-hmm. that. I can understand wishing for money. And then the other boy, who's sleazy as fuck, whose name is Keith, who I brought up earlier, his wish goes back into our long-ass debate, which is that he mm-hmm. basically wants to just fuck Taffy, and so, she you know, she gets overcome with this, like...
1: No, it's not Taffy, it's the other girl. It's Lisa?
0: Yeah. Okay, with Lisa. Um, and so she becomes, like, you know enamored with him she needs him and so then essentially you get a very long scene of her like trying to have sex with him and him i think kind of realizing that what he's asked for is a little problematic and like not cute um which i guess is the only moment of you know recognition in the film
1: but yeah it's it's weird because, like, you know, at first he's, like, the imp, like, is, like, oh, come here, come here, and he, like, is whispering, like, you want to, like, fuck her, right? Like, blah, blah, blah. And he's, like, yeah, yeah, I want that. And then, like, he's, like, boop! And, like, you know, then all of a sudden she's in, like, lingerie, mm-hmm. and she's, like, oh my god, she's in heat, like, she needs him. <laughs> they go to the fucking, like, locker room at the fucking bowling alley. So hot. Um, on the floor, you know, and then the sequence, they keep coming back to it, she's just, like, she's sitting on top of him, she's at this point still, like, has her clothing on or her lingerie on and she's just like vigorously like rubbing his chest to the point where like his skin is like raw (laughs) it's like red if you see like she just like keeps like rubbing his chest but the thing about it that's uh you know thankful that like he's like you know you we shouldn't fuck because like you're under like a spell but it's just like it's one of those moments where you're like what the fuck did you think was happening Mm -hmm. like you wished for this woman to want to fuck you so that's what happened clearly prior to the wish she didn't so clearly some magic had to happen for that to occur and then when he's like in there and all of a sudden he's like wait wait slow down slow down and i'm like chief is this not what you asked for mm-hmm. and then of course you know he is like i don't think you would want this blah, blah blah and you know it matters to me that like and i'm like does it it's a little too little too, like a little too late for me at that L- point, no, literally, yeah. it's just like, dog. I-, I mean, thankfully, you try to get out of there, and like you know, he gets what's coming to him. Mm-hmm. But it's just one of those things where it's like, I'm sorry, I- I'm just confused. I-, yeah. I I agree with you that you shouldn't fuck her because she's not in the right mind. Mm-hmm. But what did you think you were wishing yeah, for I- when it's you like wished that?
0: The fact that the ro- the roles had to reverse and she had to be so aggressive towards him in a sexual way for him to like get it is you know it's realistic but it's frustrating Mm -hmm. in the same way I do think it's played really campy though because like you know she's we do we cut we end up like the structure of this film ends up being like everyone kind of pairs off and goes their own way so we just cut between all of them back and forth and so every time we cut back to this she's like you know slowly taking off a little bit more clothes but she's on top of him just like like you said so aggressive and like not in a sexy way at all Where it's, like, she's kind of beating him up. But also, there's never any, like, move to actually have sex. She's just, like, putting his entire socked foot in her mouth and, like, slamming on his (sighs) chest. And it does look so uncomfortable for him. Um, So, yeah, I guess uh, be careful what you wish for men, I suppose. Yeah. But I think the stupidest wish, and I just want to, you know, shit on her for a second, is that Taffy... It's Taffy. (laughs) Taffy wishes of all these. This is like the most equivalent to the Fantasy Island thing. You could have anything. You can wish for anything. And this bitch wishes to be prom queen. Where? There's no prom. Like, I get that you have a pretty dress and a crown, but no one is around you to be like, wow, you're prom queen. And also, why is your popularity with the imp, like, the biggest
1: thing that you can wish for. I don't get it. It's so vain. Well, he also tells her, like, you can have one wish now and one wish later because you're so pretty. And we never see her get that later wish. So, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe in the sequel that will be brought up, I hope. Because um, I need that answer. Um, but, yeah, so idiotic because, like, even the people there, after he puts her in the prom dress, He's like, oh, look at how pretty she is. Like, turn around. Why are you looking at me? Because, like, the last two remaining are Linnea Quigley and Andres Jones. Mm -hmm. And, like, they are not even paying attention to her. Because the only – it's those two. They don't give a fuck because they're like, something isn't wrong here. The other two have paired off to go fuck in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. The shorty girls are up, like, in a security room just, like, freaked out about what they're seeing. And then (laughs) – yeah, right. the big guy with the gold bricks is just, like, you know, drooling over the gold bricks. So, like, she's literally just, like, in a spotlight, like, oh, look at me! I'm prom queen! And it's just like, sis, you could have gone to fucking Joanne's fabric, bought yourself that sash and tiara, and done this in your bedroom yeah. for, like, ten bucks. Like, you wasted a whole-ass wish on this? Idiotic! Idiotic! Yeah, it's pretty fucking dumb. Uh,
0: but... Sorry, I lost you. There you are. Um,
1: do you have any topics you want to bring up in particular? Well, I mean, we definitely should talk about Linnea Quigley because yes. she's an icon. Um, you know, I think we talked about a few movies on here where like she was like accredited, like yeah, uncredited. Yeah. It's like this random like uh, extra role, and it's just like you know she has leading roles in movies. Like we've talked about, like there's this, there's you know, um, Night of the Demons, um, there's Taurus Trap. Uh, return of the living Dead, would you say? she oh, was she was she a tourist trap? She, yeah, I remember she was one of the mannequins at the end, yes, yes, yes. you did tell me that. But she was uncredited, wasn't she? Yes. Um, iconic. Um, but she's just so fun in this, uh, because of the fact that, like, First of all, just, like, she, this is another, like, perfect Halloween costume I would love to do one year, just because she looks so badass. She's got, like, this, like, very, like, big kind of 80s hair, 80s punk hair. She's got, like, tight leather pants, black leather crop, like, fingerless gloves, um, (laughs) And she's literally there to rob the place. And, like, she doesn't take shit from anybody. She doesn't take shit from them when they come up on her. And they're like, what are you doing here? And she's just like, what the fuck does it look like I'm doing? Like, yeah. that's just her attitude to the whole thing. And I have to imagine just, like, being able to play a role like that has to be so fun. Like, I feel like when I took one improv class my entire life. Um, and there was one day deep into the class where we, like, all had to, like, impersonate each other doing Improv. So essentially, it was like, okay, everybody act like Alex or whatever when she does improv. So you would just essentially be like, what are like Alex's like go to like characters? Like, what does mm-hmm. she favor? And when everybody did me, everybody's just walking around the room acting like a fucking bitch. I love that. Like, and I was just like, oh, thank God they all get me. Um, It's just always so fun to play like the bad bitch or the, even like the villain, even though she's not the villain in this. So just like, I'm just so happy for her that she got to do that like I mean she has fun I feel like in all of her roles like or at least she's the most fun to watch a lot of the time Mm -hmm. um and this is no different I mean I'm so happy that the role that she picked was kind of like in a strange way like she ends up being the final girl I mean she's the last woman to survive and she's kind of the one that like saves Andres Jones's ass through the entire thing um but I just love her. I think that she's so fucking badass and beautiful, and I just, like, want to wake up as Linnea Quigley. I know. I mean, if I were
0: her, I would have also chosen that role because, yeah, like you said, I mean, she starts off as just kind of this, like, badass bitch who's not part of the main cast, but she does become the heroine, and she is, like, essentially the lead by the end of it. So, and I, I don't think that anybody else in that role would have really given it as much, like, flavor as she did. I feel like Linnea just like she's so good at those one-liners and like giving you that dirty look like she can insult me yeah any day
1: please read oh me oh my god I would love her to read me to Phil. <laughs> please Linnea Quigley I'm begging you I just go to start I start going to cons just to go up to Linnea Quigley and be like I don't want an autograph I don't want a photo I just want you to say something really mean to yeah, me just channel please. spider and fucking destroy my ass literally I'm sure I'll um, talk about Oh, I'm sure people ask her to do a bunch of shit. I know that I feel like a lot of these cons, she gets asked, I'm sure, clothed, to do the dance she does in Return oh, of the Living I'm Dead, sure. that she does not have the Tombstone. I'm, I'm positive she does. Um, we should also talk about Babs, which I want to say, I think prior to this, we've been calling her Rhonda by accident. Yeah. If we may or may not have, I cannot remember. But Babs is essentially the leader of the sorority girls, who is, like, running the show. So someone listening that knows that we were saying it wrong, we met Babs. I don't know. We were confusing her name with somebody else's. Um, but Babs gives these, like, lesbian dominatrix vibes throughout mm-hmm. the whole movie. Because, like, even like from the, I mean, it's mostly at the beginning for the most part because of the fact that, like, she does get sidelined for then a lot of the movie because they're, like, just watching shit happen from the security booth. And then even after, like, when they all get zapped in there and the two other girls get turned into, like, a a zombie and then, like, Bride of Frankenstein for some reason. Um, but then, yeah, like, uh, Bath is, like, kind of running around. Doesn't come back to the very end, sort of. Um, but, like, at the beginning, like, even when you're talking about that scene when the girls are, like, getting, putting their robes on at the bathroom getting ready, like, she's just, like, it very much, she's like, she's, like, getting aroused by the idea of, like, I'm gonna torture these girls. Like, I'm gonna spank them. <laughs> so it's just, like, okay, so she definitely gets off on, like, spanking girls' asses, which, like, to each their own, I suppose, But, like, it doesn't also feel like these girls are fully consenting and, like, they have to to get in the sorority. Mm -hmm. It's just, like, a weird choice to make because, like, nothing ever comes of it. I think it also plays into the fact, once again, this director used to be a softcore porn director. So, I'm sure he's like, oh, what's hot? It's like, oh, like, girls being into girls. Like, it them actually trying to do, like... Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Because then later, when uh, Babs comes back and one of the other girls gets killed and she's like talking to him she's like see like they killed her like we can beat you and he's like "We well, do i care about her i'm gonna have you now and then he like changes <laughs> her into this like almost like elevated version of spider yeah because like she's also in all leather bigger hair but now she's like a dominatrix and Kids she eight. finds um Lisa in the bathroom who's waiting for Keith to come back with ice cubes to fuck her with, I guess. <laughs> and that's literally what it was. And she comes back and then, like, literally, like, pins her up against the wall. Mind you, like, Lisa is, like, in lingerie, topless, very sexual. Mm-hmm. And she's just, like, pins her up against the wall and is, like, talking about, like, how she's gonna, like, essentially, like, kill her by spanking her or something. Like, it's just very, like, okay, choices were being made. But once again, it's, like, not because they're actually trying to like have representation for like lesbians <laughs> or bisexual no. women. Um, it literally is just like them being like, Wouldn't it be hot if two girls were like spanking each other and you're like, Oh god, yeah, this Jesus movie is Christ. just a mix of like weird,
0: problematic sex and then like over the top campy imp dialogue and then, you know yeah. the the janitor who I think is supposed to Oh my to be, god! Wait, I do love him. The janitor is supposed to be, like, the main source of comedic relief, I think. Um, because early on, when they break in, they accidentally lock him in the janitor's closet, and he spends the entire film just trying to get out. But the dialogue he has- I didn't write any of it down because I think it's a little bit vulgar- um,
1: but I did write one down. You want? I'll, I'll bring it up later. Okay. Um, well, he says one. It won't be my favorite quote, okay. so I'll say it now. Um, it is vulgar, from what I recall. It was like I wrote down the most vulgar one that I heard. But to me, it's like it is just like a ridiculous. Like if one of my friends said this, mm-hmm. I would laugh. Like I would think it was funny because it's just like so ridiculous. Like I wouldn't say this like hanging out at a fucking family dinner. Um, would you say it hang but, uh, if you were trapped in a janitor's closet at three a.m. By myself, yeah. I mean, I don't really know what I would be saying. I mean, i am definitely be cursing. We know that. Yeah. We all know that. Um, he says, he's trying to get the door open, which I just honestly love this bit. He's the only part of the movie to me that is actually funny. Like, yeah. anything else that's intended to be funny is just problematic. Him, like, the bit of, like, him thinking it's the breeze that knocked his ass in there, like a giraffe, and then when he finally gets out, getting, like, knocked back in again. So funny. And then, like, bit. later when they bring him back, he has, like, a hearing aid. That he, like, can't hear through. So, like, Linnea quickly will keep saying, like, you should do this. He's like, wait, what? And she, like, says it three times. like, I I can't hear you. I think I should do this. And then, like, says the exact plan back to her. And she's like, you know what? That sounds good. Um, But he's trying to get the door open. And he's like, oh, like, this is (laughs) stuck. He goes, this is stuck tighter than a nun's cunt. Which is just so, (laughs) so fucked up. But it's so fucked up to me that it's funny. I'm
0: sorry No, I like, I think it's funny too. It just, it comes kind of out of nowhere because.
1: It does, The rest of,
0: no one else talks like this. There really hasn't been any like profanity used to like when Mm -hmm. this fucking like sweet old janitor comes through, I don't expect him to be talking about a nun's cunt. Like it's not what I was anticipating. So it like kind of like takes you aback a little bit. But he is probably the heart of the
1: film. It reminds me of, like, obviously much more vulgar, but, like, I love, I always love, like, the saying, like, you know, sweating like a sinner in church. Um, this is, like, how do we make the R-rated version of that? And it's, like, oh, stuck tighter than a nun's cut. It's, it's vulgar, which we obviously know I have no issue with. Um. But yeah, he, he's the most fun to me. I, I really enjoy him. He gives you, like, all the exposition of the film, too. Like, they're, like, getting close to the end. They're like, we haven't really explained why any of this shit's happening. We should probably do that. So it's literally Linnea Quigley, Andres Jones, and the janitor, like, in, the, like, the back little janitor's office, as he, like, then tells them the entire backstory of the imp about how there was a dude that came to the bowling alley that, like, sucked at bowling, you know, summoned the imp, but then the imp started killing anybody that was mean to him, so he had to trap, like, literally giving you everything you need to know and if this was a longer movie I would have been like oh my god shut up like I don't care The scene is so bloated but because it's 79 minutes you're just like sure no give me like a whole like five minutes of you explaining everything to me verbatim yeah and in that scene like they do scatter in a lot of those like
0: little bits of like him mishearing one word and it, it is funny so I mean it's not yeah. like just you know a boring history I think that's probably, honestly, the most well-written scene of the film.
1: Because, because the it's the only thing like, that gives anything, any context. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good scene. I think, yeah,
0: he's the heart of the film, honestly.
1: You know who he reminds me of? Um, oh my god, you have to remind me his name, but you know who he reminds me of? Um, from Survivor. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> Big Tom. Big Tom Big Tom. Tom. Big Tom. Big Tom. Big Tom. Big Tom with the overalls. Big Tom with Maybe. his fucking overalls. He gives me Big Tom energy. Um, yeah. For any Survivor fans out that. there, um, we've been going through <laughs> Survivor um, from the beginning. That was season three. Um, he's on season three? Yeah. yeah. so Big Tom from season three uh, for you Survivor heads out there. I've, I don't know about the rest of you, but for some reason, I just fucked with Big Tom and those stupid overalls. Um, Nobody give me any spoilers. I don't know if he ever comes back for another season. I would love for him to. But that's where we're at. Um, but yeah. anyways. Um, All right. So I guess that it would be good
0: at this point to go into my favorite part of the Always,
1: Beyonce, always. The Q and Slay. Ah! <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Favorite part. Always so fun. So do you want me to start? Right, do you want you to I feel start? like. I feel like.
0: I usually answer the first question, so I'm gonna ask you the first question. Awesome. Okay. Okay. Why don't you go ahead and tell me your favorite line?
1: My favorite line, I have two, so I hope neither one is yours. Okay. Um, one is from Spider, and it's after. Okay. Um, Andres Jones has found her, and he's um, all the rest of the gang catches up and they're like, "Who's this? Your friend or whatever?" And one of the two girls like says like some sassy remark to her. Because, like, she's been giving it to them. And she goes, like, Mm -hmm. ooh, jump back, prom queens on the loose. Or is it high school hookers? And it's just, like, her delivery of it, it's just, like, the ooh, jump back. is just, like, so (laughs) good. I'm, like, I have to start incorporating this into my vernacular. Um, And then the other one that quite literally, like, I think it might have been one of my favorite quotes last time as well. We didn't have this section in our first episode, obviously. Mm -hmm. But I definitely brought it up. It's, and it makes me laugh out loud is um, when the imp is talking to them and convincing them, like, you know, make a wish, make a wish. And Linnea Quigley the whole time is just like, fuck you. Like, fuck you. You're so stupid. Like, I'm not going to wish for anything. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, look, why are you being so mean to me? Blah, blah, blah. And she says something to him at one point, like, this is fucking bullshit. And he's like, Uncle Impy will, will ignore that remark, but he'll remember it. And it's just – it's, like, that perfect thing you're talking about where he's, like, he's, like, oh, hey, kitties, I'm going to fucking cut you. Like, and then he quickly goes back to, like, being, like, ha, ha, ha again. It's just so funny to me, the delivery of it. It's all about the delivery with these lines. Like, outwardly, they're not anything that's, like, overly funny, but delivery is everything. Mm -hmm. So those two are my favorite lines. Yeah. I really
0: relate to that line because, like, my friend Sarah loves to say that, like, she would never fuck with me because I – remember everything mm-hmm. and so i can be like oh interesting that you say that because like four years ago uh in june you told me and like i just have it like in my fucking like bank so i really i respect being like i'm gonna let that slide but i will
1: remember what you said. i mean i have a perfect example mean. of this you caught my ass the other day because if you follow us on instagram i, did. I didn't do this intentionally if you follow us on instagram i had posted a story from our behind the mask rise is a leslie vernon episode and this will be weeks later by the time you guys are hearing this episode but i had posted something because if you listen to that episode at the end i couldn't remember a movie that mentions leslie vernon in it and i was like going out of my mind and at the time alex couldn't remember and then like right after like a few hours after we recorded it she sent me an audio message telling me yes it was an audio message that's also that's also not true is it? God damn That's it!
0: Okay. No, what happened was, what, ha- what had happened Here was we that we stopped recording and Annie and I were still on the phone with each other. And so I was like, I'm going to go on Letterboxd and I'm going you're to right, find right. what this movie is because I, I feel like I just watched it. And I scrolled like two weeks back and I went, it was fucking Hatchet 2. And she was like, yes. And then about two weeks later, when Greg edited the episode, he came into the living room after and he was like, I can't believe you couldn't remember that movie. It's Hatchet 2. And I was like, okay, good job of back up. Because I did remember after. Um, and Anya posted on our story that Greg is the one that thought it like that reminded us. And it's true, he did. He thought of it, credit where credit is due, but I was like, okay, but I also immediately got it correct <sighs> as well.
1: <laughs> the thing is like that is just when my aesthetic. T- it's not that like I was I remember outwardly trying to deprive her of that credit. It was literally because when I went to post a story, because I'm (laughs) paranoid, I'm always like, I have to double check shit like five times. So then I was like, I know that I was told that it was Hatchet 2. I know it's Hatchet 2, but I need to make sure. So I went in our text messages and I typed in when you can search for keywords and I typed in Hatchet and I found a text from her in which she said like, oh, Greg just turned me when he was editing and like said Mm -hmm. this. So I was like, okay, great, it is Hatchet 2. And oh my gosh, like Greg is the one that figured it out. Forgetting because it was not like you know, recorded in Word. It's fine. And so then she messaged me and she was like, "Uh, I'm just wondering, like, why Greg got credit for this? And I was like, because you told me that Greg told you. And she's like, um, I didn't say that. It's actually this. And I was like, I know that she's right, but what's done is done. (laughs) I'm so sorry.
0: (laughs) Listen, my brain is a fucking steel trap. If you tell me something, I... Will remember it, and I will bring it up later on. So just you know, anyone that knows me knows that that's just true.
1: Alex's brain's a steel trap, yeah. and mine is just like a fucking black hole. I don't remember a goddamn thing. um <laughs> Oh,
0: it's so, great. But yeah. my favorite line. Um, I think you know, in the same way that you said about delivery, like the line itself isn't anything to write home about, mm-hmm. but the way that it's delivered, like, cracks me up. Because it's it goes back to what we were saying, where, like, this is something that, like, I could see Trevor saying, and in the same way, where, like, he's saying something, but then he's, like, he doubts himself immediately and goes, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's when the imp is, you know, about to grant the first wish, and Jimmy is, like, oh my god, this is so exciting, I'm gonna wish for so many things. And Calvin, being, like, the only smart person in that crew of men, is, like, trying to tell him maybe think about it maybe don't do this this doesn't seem like it's gonna really work out well and he says wait a minute jimmy you don't know what you're dealing with maybe the wishes could come true and then go bad on you i don't know i've heard that happen sometimes no it's a trevor like line up, so i'm like where have you heard where have you fucking heard that if you take if you make a wish on an imp that you found in a trophy that it's gonna turn bad on you like where did you hear that huh i want to know and he like does it so sheepishly where like he says it like really confidently and then he like puts his head down and is like i don't know I, like i've heard that happen sometimes <laughs> it just like cracks me up i love
1: it oh, it's so good trevor once what's again we <laughs> love you um yeah and all your little quirks uh okay so next question what's your favorite kill mm-hmm. from this movie Okay, so I don't
0: think that any of the kills are, like, anything spectacular. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I know what yours was going to be, so I went with something different. Okay. Um, so hopefully I'm correct. Um, but I went with the first death of the film, which is Jimmy's death, because Jimmy I'm curious
1: what you think mine's is... going to be, because that was going to be mine, but go on.
0: Oh, really? Yeah, good, no, no, go on, go on. Okay. Jimmy is my least favorite character in general, so his demise was the most satisfying for me. Um, and... It's right after Babs's two sidekicks have become these demon women. They come out, they attack everybody, and they just pick him up and put his head in this bowling ball cleaner machine. Mm-hmm. And you don't really get to see, like, what happens, but you can imagine. And then pretty quickly after, um, they show a severed head of Jimmy's. And I forget which one of the demon girls it is, but she goes down and she just uses his head as a bowling ball and, you know, the imp is in the background giving, like, commentary, being like, oh, I think it's going to, I think it's going to be a strict, oh, no, it's a good ball. Yeah. And I just, I just, it's just so, it's like, that is the, like, essence of the camp in this film. And I wish that there was more of it, because it's so much fun. Um, But that, yeah, that's my favorite. I wish that I could have seen his head, you know, get sliced
1: off, but the budget's small, I guess. mm mm-hmm. um. I mean, heads literally rolled in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. I'm curious, what did you think mine was going to be? Because it was going to be that one. The stretching. The girl
0: that stretches. Or is she, like, gets, like, cut in half. Oh, Taffy.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, that one's funny because her name she's is taffy. taffy, so they stretch her. Yeah. Um, because it's funny earlier because, like, when the group meets Spider for the first time, and she says her name is Taffy. She's like, Taffy? Mm -hmm. And then, like, you know, Taffy's like, what's wrong with that name? And she's like, well, if you don't know, then you deserve it. It's just, like, such a fucking bird. Yeah, I mean, other than that, there aren't a whole lot of, you know, great deaths, I think, if I'm remembering mm-hmm. correctly, there's like a Molotov cocktail death for Babs in the bathroom, yep. which is fun because you have Andres Jones and Linnea Quigley mm-hmm. working together. But I do think of all the deaths, I also would have to go with the bowling alley one just because um, it is the most fun. It is the campiest. And it's the one mm-hmm. that utilizes the best the setting that you're in. Like, you're in a bowling alley. Put Absolutely. somebody's head yeah. in the ball cleaner. Roll their head down the bowling lane. Like, I don't really think any of the other ones really even pertain at all to the setting, which I think is, I'll bring that up in one of our other questions. Um, but I also want to say, someone that should honestly be dead that wasn't, was Andras Jones' character, because at the end, we're getting right to the end, you know, shit's, you know, coming to a close, they're gonna try to catch the amp, And Elena quickly sends him out. She's like, go get the car, the the car came here in. He gets the car and he's driving and one of the girls, a zombie face girl, um, pops up in the back seat. She's like, here I am and she like grabs onto him. So he's like, oh, struggling in the car and then just as this is happening, um, Linnea quickly captures the imp which I guess undo, undoes all of the, the wishes and everything goes back to normal mm-hmm. but it's too late because Andre Jones and this was had to have been like probably one of the biggest parts of their budget in like a huge stunt that we see from the outside like he's obviously not actually in the car the car like flies over these other cars just like a full fucking barrel roll in the air and then smashes upside down back on the fucking con like the blacktop and like skids to a stop He's not living through that. Or if he is, he's critically yeah. injured. Critically. No, he's fine. He, he has, like, a bump in, and he's, like, limping. He's like, a Right, Lene, when he, like, comes out and she's like, oh my god! And, like, runs to him, helps him out, and then, like, at the end they, like, ride off in love to her apartment on her motorcycle. Yeah. And it's just, like, he should be dead. Like, I'm not wishing him dead, but, like, how did he survive that? Um, right. But, yeah, Bowling Alley is easily the best one. Easily the best one. Yeah. I agree um well let's see okay well who would be your partner in crime partner in crime Mm. it's easy to say Andres Jones because I'm like oh my god I love him but like honestly I don't know actually though because part of me is like well I'd want to be with spider like she's a Mm -hmm. bad bitch yeah but then part of my soul and this is you know my my main character complex is I'm like well I would be spider hello I would be the nasty bitch serving everybody annoyed with everyone. And thus I feel that I would be paired with Andres Jones. Like I'm imagining like in this scenario, mm-hmm. we're stuck in the Kendall, the movie theater we used to work at overnight with the staff and of the staff, I'm fucking spider. And then me and Trevor have to pair off and capture the imp that's loose in babs? the theater. Oh, at uh, your babs. You babs. You love to spank these hoes. You love to spank these hoes. Um, See so you know what? I'll say Andres Jones' character because in my soul, it has nothing to do with being in love with him or having a crush on him or wanting to be with his character. It's because I feel in my soul a connection mm-hmm. to Spider. I feel like that's who I would most likely resemble in this film. Yeah. What about you? Okay, I think that's fair. I originally
0: picked Spider because I was like, she's the coolest character. I want to hang out with the coolest person in on the cast. But honestly, after this discussion, I'm gonna go with Babs because mm. I feel a connection to her, in <laughs> ways, and we could just like spank everyone that we come across <laughs> together.
1: I love that. I think it would be fun. I love that you're like, yeah, I'll take Babs. I love She's fun. Spank, so Babs,
0: and her daddy owns the mall. So. Oh my god, that is true. Oh my god, yeah. imagine we the fuck up you would
1: get. Oh my god, oh my god. god. yeah. Yeah, I picked Babs. No, awesome <laughs> choice, awesome choice. Um, okay, Alex. Um, if you could change this movie in one way, how would you change it? Well, I would change it in two ways, but one of the ways is absolutely what
0: your answer is going to be, so I'm going to leave that. So okay. I'm going to just say that I think, well, uh, and aside from all the like sexual politics we talked about, obviously, um, mm-hmm. I would just say in general, I wish that the structure was more cohesive because... I remember when we did the first episode, it was so hard to go scene by scene because it is really just, like, you know, an episode of, like, Teen Wolf where it's, like, you have these, like, three different storylines going on and you're constantly cutting back and forth to it. It feels like a 40-minute, like, CW show in a lot of ways where it's not so much, like, one – I mean, it is one main plot, but there's just so much going on that – I can't really ever get invested in any one of the like side stories because they're cutting between them so quickly and it does get like a little bit tiring even though it's only a 79 minute runtime like there are stretches where I'm like okay like can we get back to the people I care about like I'm over this um so I think you know just overall like structuring the story better maybe having less side plots and maybe more like a group thing or two groups instead of like four of them
1: that's what I would Mm. do um I brought it up briefly only a few moments ago, but I would definitely utilize the setting better. I mean, a bo- an 80s bowling alley that's really fucking fun. And just in general, 80s or not, like I feel like having a movie a movie, yeah, a movie set in a bowling alley, especially a horror movie. You have a horror movie set anywhere specific? Like if it's like a one location horror movie, there's a lot you can play with. And you should try to, like, mm-hmm. make use of that setting. Like, oh, a horror movie where it takes place in a diner. Then it doesn't have to be every single kill. But, like, utilize the space. How is murdering people in yeah. a diner going to be different than it happening in a fu- on a fucking basketball court or some shit? Where it's, like, you have a bowling alley. There's a lot of fun to be had. And you open up with the first death being, like, head in a ball cleaner, rolling it down the, the bowling alley. Fun. Great. Then you kind of forget, and then they kind of more so, I feel like, lean into, like, oh, well, it's also attached to a mall, and so they're running around in the mall, too, and I'm like, a mall is a different horror movie. We have a lot of fucking mall horror movies. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need it, or if I do, that's separate. Like, save that for fucking shopping mall, okay? Like, I want what I get in the title, which is the slimeball bolarama. Give me... Yeah, is this in Sorority Babes at the Glenview... Galleria. No, like exactly. This is the slime ball bolorama. So give me these bitches, yeah. like with the pins, clubbing people. Like I don't give a fuck. Like with the shoes. I mean, I would even accept because a lot of these bowling alleys would be like bowling alleys with arcades in them. Give me a fucking like killing somebody mm-hmm. with a pinball machine. I don't give a fuck. Like yeah. I wish and I hope Utilize I guess the neon lights. Yes, exactly. So I hope that in this sequel even if it's also a hot mess, we won't know until we see it, that they at least utilize being in a bowling alley a little more than they did in this original one because I feel like there was wasted potential with that.
0: Yeah, I fully agree with you on that. Thank you, thank you. Well, lastly, Anya, if you unearthed a magical imp inside a bowling alley at the middle of the night, would you survive?
1: I was thinking about this yesterday, preparing, And I don't even know if I came to a full answer. I think it depends. I think specifically this movie with this imp, yes. Mm -hmm. Because the second he comes out, you like, no, you can't trust him. Like, he's up to no good. Right. Like, you can hear it. You can see it. Like, I think in a broader context, if I was in a different situation and there was an imp, I mean, I don't know. Like, maybe if they were, like, more convincing or whatever. I don't know maybe I'd fall prey maybe I'd be like <laughs> you know what I want I want to wake up on a fucking Star Wars planet and be um rescued by the Mandalorian and I have to take care of baby Yoda for the rest of my days while also being his wife there it is you had to get it in there I had to squeeze it in there it um, is. that's my wish but uh, the thing is like yeah but then there's also like being rational In a similar to Andres Jones, I do know from a lot of media that, like, there is the whole, like, careful what you wish for, and you have to be so specific in what you wish, because, like, I'll give you what you wished for, but, like, you said this, so that's how I interpreted it. I feel like the only thing that I can come to mind where it's, like, no, you got exactly what you wanted, it's just, like, limited, is, like, Aladdin. Because the issue in Aladdin is, like, Mm -hmm. from my recollection, is, like, he's not wishing for shit and then, like, getting, like, a version of that. Like, he's getting exactly what he wishes for. It's just that he can't wish for specific things, like, to bring back the dead or to make people in love with him. And he only Mm -hmm. gets three. Like, so those kind of, like, a genie, yeah, maybe. An imp? I don't think I'm going to go for it. So I think that I have a good chance of surviving based on the fact that, like, I'm prepared mentally, I think. And, um... Mm -hmm. I save myself at least for a period of time by not making a wish.
0: She's ready for the imp always. Mm.
1: What about you? Are you ready for the imp? Mm. Of course I'm ready for the imp. It's an imp. It's like (laughs) a foot and a half. I wake wake up every day ready for for the imp, bitch.
0: (laughs) Listen, I'm talking this specific imp. And honestly, the wishes that they make are not what kills them. She doesn't die because she was a prom queen. He doesn't die because he asked for gold. So even if I do make a wish, that's not necessarily going to be my downfall. I just got to get out of the building and put him back in his trophy, which, like I said with Child's Play, like I said with dolls, I would simply just put them in the trophy. So yeah, I, I believe in my ability to clean up
1: and put him home. Well, because they don't even need to put him back in the trophy. Oh. They said to put him in some container. She, like, puts him in, like, a fucking tin cookie yeah. jar. Yeah, it's pretty simple. I would do it. Um, great, loving loving yeah. that we're gonna make it out on the other side. Of course, we are. Duh, always. So, what do you give this rating wise? Well, originally, I feel like I had given this a higher rating. You did. You gave it. I checked your letterbox. You gave it a pretty high. Rating. And I think after our discussion, and also after seeing it three times, um, <laughs> I do have to reevaluate a little bit. So. I am going to do another half star. I know I said I was going to get off it for a while, you guys, but I have to with this one. That's fine. I'm personally going to give it a dumb jock who's also a stoner bro, so that's a two and a half. Originally, I think I rated this um, a boy next door who's a dumb jock, so three and a half. So that's a full ass you star sure lower. Did. Um Just because, yeah, I want to still give it the credit. Like, I still, like, enjoy this movie. And if you are looking for, like, some fun, ridiculous B-horror, like, and nothing else, like, I think this will suffice. Like, I think this will give you what you want. Um, is it the best fun, ridiculous B-horror movie I could suggest to you? No, motherfucker. Dead Alive exists. Um, Sleepaway Camp exists. Um, but, yeah, I do have to, like, there is a part of me that's like, you know what? After having this Conversation with my bestie, I kind of realized that like I really have to I have to take a gold star away. Um, so yeah, I I remain with my rating at um, dumb Jack, who's a stoner bro. What about you?
0: Yes, we are we are very similar in the um, the decline of our rating because I originally gave it three stars, mm-hmm. um, but after two more viewings, I am labeling this simply a stoner bro two stars. You know, maybe a little heart with it because, like, I do appreciate its campiness, its funness. Um, It's not something I recommend watching a bunch of times, but I do think, you know, getting together with a few friends, maybe, like, you know, drinking, having fun, relaxing, and then putting this shit on and just, you know, going in with an open mindset of, like, this is going to be stupid, campy fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a really fun time if you don't look too deep Mm -hmm. in it.
1: I agree I agree um and that is uh sorority babes in the slime ball bolo um yes if if our discussion of it has you know originally you weren't interested but now you listened and you are once again it's streaming on Shudder, I believe you said prime and uh yep. Pluto tv Pluto tv and sling tv So, you know, it's available, and, you know, 79 minutes, you could just fucking put that on when you're, like, making dinner or something. Um, Yeah. But, yeah, so to close us out, this is, as we stated, our last episode of season one. And, you know, we've definitely had some friends that have listened throughout, through every episode, and for you guys, you know, we're so thankful because you were our first listeners, obviously, like, you know, thank you for indulging us in, in listening to this. Um, I know that we've gotten more listeners along the way. Um, some of you may even be people that we don't know, um, but know that in our hearts, like, we love you and you're our friends. You're our little creeps. Um And, yeah, I mean, I just think that this podcast is something that, like, as I said, was something that we really wanted to do, and it just so happened with timing of us finally coming together and being like, okay, we've done the planning, we kind of know what we want now, we got this, that, the other thing, that it happened to commence, you know, near the beginning of the pandemic last year, kind of closing everything Mm -hmm. down. And so, in a in a way, it became this outlet for creativity or just this source of, like, oh, my God, like, I'm I'm struggling right now because of, like, work, you know, doing it remotely and, like, all this shit or, like, because of shit where it's, like, oh, my God, I feel trapped and yada, yada, yada of, like, having at least once a month being able to sit down – and we talk to each other every day – but, like, sit down and have these prolonged conversations where we felt, like, we really got to, like, share our love for something. Um, mm, yeah. And at the end of the day, even if we were sending this out into the void and no one was listening to it, it – this podcast has meant so much to us in just a year alone um it like since moving to LA I'll speak for my on my behalf and then Alex you can say your piece um you know moving to LA has been hard I did it during a pandemic moving in general is stressful and then I'm not going to get into all my personal business but you know there were several months when I got out here where it was like I was overworking myself I was overcommitted. I felt like if I don't do this, I'm not going to have a life. I'm not going to have a career. I'm I'm blowing my chance at this, that, the other thing. And this podcast in so many ways through that was, you know, a lifeline. And after I kind of like got my shit together a little bit and kind of realized what mattered and what didn't, this remained as something that mattered to me and something that like is important to me and like since being out here i mean we have had so much fun we had so many fun episodes we were we did october like nobody else we had we've started so many different minisodes we had josh rubin on which is easily one of the funnest things i've ever done in my life um we can't wait to have him on again to talk about werewolves within he's such a supportive king king if you're listening thank you always for your support um and yeah, I'm just really grateful to have this podcast and to keep it going, um, until, you know, until I die. Okay? I'm doing it till I die. Oh god. <laughs> um, but Alex, what would you like to say about our pod? Um, I never thought that I would be
0: somebody who did a podcast. I love listening to podcasts, but I don't listen love listening to myself. And I never thought that I would do this, but I've had so much fun. And I wouldn't want to do it with anybody other than Anya. And like you had said, I'm so grateful to all of our friends who take the time to listen to us. People like our friend Greg, who like actively will watch the movie first and then listen to the episode. And Christine does that too. And I just think it means, it just means so much to me that our friends and people in our lives would take time to support us. And it baffles me that anybody that doesn't know us would give a shit about what I have to say about horror. But to the people out there who we are not personally friends with it like it means so much to me that anybody would continue to listen to us and genuinely like us thank you awesome. i love you leave us a nice review if you want <laughs> um and i look forward to
1: another fun fucking season of the girls who cried be Horror. Yes. Guys, we got a lot of fun coming for you in the second season. A lot of fun movies. Maybe some guests. Um, Yeah. And, you know, look out for our end of season one special. But on that note, you fucking creeps, I love you. And as always, keep it creepy. Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you for joining us for another episode of The Girls Who Cried Be Horror. We want, as always, to thank those who've helped us get here Without them, we would just be screaming about horror to each other instead of in a podcast form. So first, a big thank you to Bridget Garrity for creating our amazing artwork that we love. Please feel free to follow her and check out all of her other artwork on her Instagram at Bridget underscore Elizabeth XO. Support her. We love her. Literally Anya's sister. Um, A huge thank you also to Nathan Graham, who is our musically talented friend and created our intro music please support him on his instagram at official blue caprice and check out all of his original music on spotify and lastly thank you to my guy greg volante for editing all of our episodes every month so we don't sound too stupid uh feel free to check him out on twitter at volante views mm-hmm. and if you are so inclined and you for some reason like me and you want to follow me on social media I don't post very often. I am much more of a lurker, but please feel free uh, if you want to check out an occasional photo of my cats. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex Branley.
1: And if you'd like to follow me on social media, please do. I love any form of validation. My Twitter is at agarrity15. My Instagram is at G-E-E-W-A-Y, the number four, and then ever. So that's G-Way forever. And if you want to keep up with everything I'm watching, you can follow me on Letterboxd at AGarity15, or you can just search my name and I should be the only Anya Garrity that pops up. Uh, I give my hot takes on a lot of horror movies there, as well as non horror cinema as well. And if you just can't bear the thought of social media accounts that don't have both of our presence, fear not. You can follow the Girls Who Cried Be Horror on Instagram at the Girls Who Cried Be Horror and Twitter at Girls Who Cried BH. You can also email us all your thoughts, opinions, and darkest secrets at cried thegirlswecriedbehorror at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Leaving written reviews really helps us out and helps the podcast out a lot, and it only takes a minute. So please do us this kindness, and in return, you will own a piece of our souls forever. <laughs> You'll become a horcrux. So thank you so much, y'all. And until next time, keep it creepy. <laughs>
0: The girls who cried be horror.